0: welcome to encompass church podcast we are so glad you've joined us today to share your story of what god has been doing in you and through you take a moment to email us at amen at encompass.org.au enjoy today's message thank you very much you can take a seat thank you and good morning encompass church oh there was no enthusiasm there We'll, we'll try it again okay Oh, would, would you like we have a coffee before we start the sermon? <laughs> Wouldn't that be great if it was like gold class and they brought in a cappuccino or a latte right before the sermon? All those in favor? Okay. It will never happen, but I just thought it's a great, a great thought, thought to have. But it's a great, great honor to be, be with you again today. I love coming to this church and I don't know if you realize, but your church is one of our partner churches Uh, I serve in an organization called World Outreach International, which has been around for 91 years. So I was not the founder of the organization. And up until last month, I was the international director, and I stood down last month to make room for generational change. Uh, But ever since I've been serving in this organization, your church has been partnering with us in what we're doing across the majority world. Our focus is what we call the unreached people groups, some of the 7,000 identifiable ethnic groups in the world that do not have um, anyone there who can tell them about Jesus, which is astonishing. And we're making a difference in parts of the world that perhaps you will never go to. And I just want to say thank you for your support in what we're doing. Now, I know that the world is in a precarious place at the moment. Uh, Israel sent their ground forces into Gaza last night. We have the Ukraine war. There's things happening all over the world. And I'm not trying to minimize or trivialize that, but I want to say also, while that is taking place... God is moving in an unprecedented way all across the nations of the world. We are seeing breakthroughs in parts of the world we have never seen breakthroughs before. Just one story, because I'm I'm not here to talk about missions today. Uh, We have some people, some of our personnel that work in the northeast of India Uh, And up there, there's very little Christian presence. Recently, they went into a, a tribal group and told them about the Lord. And people opened up their hearts and gave their life to Jesus. A few weeks later, they went back there. Now, these people had never talked to these people about the Holy Spirit. They'd never talked to them uh, about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They went back there a few weeks later, and they're all speaking in other tongues. They're having visions of Jesus. They're having dreams at night. Uh, Just incredible things. And we're hearing stuff like that all over the world. It's a great day to be alive. So I just want to say thank you for your support in what we do. Okay, I'm going to get right into the message this morning because... My time is limited, and hey, your past is very violent, and so I have to finish on time. You do not know what he's like if you pre- preach too long. Okay, I want to turn your, your attention today to the book of Genesis, chapter 28. And in a couple of moments, I'll be reading to you from a couple of verses from verse 10, uh, the story found in verse 10 through to verse number 22. If you'd like to bring up that first slide, please, that, that, that would be really great. My message today is part sermon It is part prayer and it is part prophecy. And what I want to have a look at today is explore this thing that we call the house of God. When we begin to read the Bible, we realize that God has always wanted to live with his people, to be with his people. God has always longed to be with his people and for his people to long to be with him. And in the Old Testament, we read about God meeting with his people firstly in a garden and then in, in a tabernacle and later in a temple. But when Jesus came along, everything changed. Because through what he did upon the cross and through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, we can now meet with God anywhere, anytime. But God wants us to meet with him in his house. And I, I ask the question, but what is the house of God. And the reason that we're going to have a look at this scripture today is because this is the first place in the Bible where we find the phrase, house of God. And when something is first mentioned in scripture, it is often indicative of what God intended. Not what may have happened later, but what God intended. For example, the first reference in the Bible to marriage is between one man and And one woman. But later in the Bible, we read about one man and many women. And that's a different sermon, and I am not going to go there today at all. But the point I want to make is when something is first mentioned in the Bible, it shows what God intended. So what I want to do is just read a couple of verses from this passage in a few moments and have a look at what is The house of God. But first of all, here's the background of the story. The principal man in our sermon today is a man called Jacob. And Jacob had capitalized upon his older brother Esau's weakness and deceived him out of his birthright. And then in conspiracy with his mother, he then deceived his father Isaac into receiving the blessing of the firstborn son. Consequently, Esau was fueled with bitterness and determined to kill him. So, following his mother's advice and with his father's blessing, Jacob set out to go and visit Uncle Laban in Haran. And so he heads out and is on the run, running from, from, from his family. And he reached a certain place where he decided he would spend the night. He would later call that place Bethel. And he didn't realize that it was at this place he was going to have an encounter with God. And during that encounter with God, he would have a revelation of the house of God. And let me to read verse 16 of our text from Genesis 28. And it says this. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Then he made a vow, and part of that vow is verse number 22. This stone that I've set up as a pillar will be God's house, and of all that you give me, I will give you a a, a tenth. So Jacob referred to that place as the house of God. It's a stone in the middle of the desert, and he says, this is is the house of God, what an unusual place. So the title of my message and the question I want to ask today is this, what is the house of God? When we talk about the house of God, what is the house of God? Number 1. The first thing we see in this in this passage that helps us to understand the house of God. Number 1 is this is that the house of God is any place where we meet with God and God meets with us. The house of God is any place where we meet with God and God meets with us. So Jacob is in the desert using a rock as a pillow and he says, This is the house of God. So the first mention of house of God. And it's a stone. But importantly, it wasn't that geographical place so much as what happened in that place. And in that place, he had a dream where he saw a stairway resting on earth going all the way to heaven. And in verse 13 of our text, it says that there above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. So it wasn't necessarily the geographical place, but what happened in that place. Obviously, what this means is the house of God is not necessarily a building. The house of God is Any place where we meet with God and God meets with us. And any time and every time God's people gather together in his name, they form the house of of God. It is the gathering of God's people to meet with Him that constitutes the house of God. And it doesn't matter where we meet, and it doesn't matter when we meet, and it doesn't matter how few, and it doesn't matter how many. When we gather together in His name to meet with Him, we form the house of God. And we need to align our thinking with the Word of God. It's not that we go to church. It's that the church comes together. Like if I was to say to you, how are you church? Did you have a good sleep last night church? I'm not talking to the four walls, I am talking to you. Although if the walls are speaking to you today, come and talk to me at the end of the service and we shall pray together. We thank God for this great building that God has given you. But these four walls are not the house of God. It's whenever God's people come together to be together, to meet with Him, that is the house of God. And even though today we're in this magnificent building, and even though you've got great sound systems and great music and technology, none of these things form the house of God. We are the house of God because we are gathering together to meet to meet with Him. So it's not necessarily the geographical, physical building, but the actual gathering of God's people. And it could be in a building like this. It could be like it is in many parts of the world where I go. It could be under a tree. It could be in a, roof, in a, in a roofless cabin. It could be in a magnificent cathedral. But whenever God's people come together to meet with Him, that is the house of God. One of the most incredible experiences I ever had with God was in a car. A friend and I had just been preaching at a children's camp, and we were driving back from Portsea and we're listening to a cassette. Does anybody remember? Cassettes, And so we were listening to a cassette of all these these worship songs. and, And all of a sudden, the lyrics really got into our heart. And it was more than a song. This was something coming from our heart. And we began to shout out our praises of God. And we were singing with all of our heart. And all of a sudden, as we were singing, the glory and the presence of the Lord just filled our lives and filled our car. And friend, I want to say to you, on that day, in that car, on that freeway, it was the house of God because we were meeting with him and he was meeting with us and I'm just so grateful that my friend who was driving did not close his eyes and raise up his hands otherwise I may not be here today and remembering also that in the New Testament sense you of the house of God. When you gave your life to Jesus, he came and made his house inside of you through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And Paul also taught that we corporately constitute the new temple of God, not a temple made with human hands, but a temple that's been made by God himself. And let me repeat again, because of what Jesus has done upon the cross and because of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, we can now meet with God anywhere, anytime. And I once heard a preacher say, he say, you may never be invited to Buckingham Palace to visit the king, and you may never be invited to the White House to visit the president, but all you've got to do is say, in the name of Jesus, and you were brought into the most holy place in all of the universe that we have access to him anywhere, anytime, because of the blood of Jesus and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. So what is this amazing building that God has given you? It's a place where we come together to meet with God. It's a place to meet with one another. It's a place to be encouraged. It's a place to be equipped. It's a place to receive empowerment. It's a place that where we come together to be equipped that we may share our faith. And remember too, The early church did not have permanent buildings for 400 years until the time of Emperor Constantine. And yet they turned the world upside down. On the morning of the day of Pentecost, there were 120 believers in the prayer meeting. By the end of that day, there were 3,120 believers in Jesus. And then the scripture says in Acts 2 verse number 47 that the Lord added daily to their number and then it says in Acts 6 verse 6 within a short time their numbers had grown to 5,000 and then it says that their numbers increased rapidly and this was ever before they had a building and all I can say encompass with all that God has given you how much more is he about to do when we really come into his house in the way that he has prescribed. So number one, the house of God is not necessarily a building, but this leads me to point number two, and this is where we change gears. Number two, a second thing that defines the house of God is that the house of God is a place of revelation. The house of God is a place of revelation, but the revelation of what? What did Jacob receive a revelation of? Well, he received a revelation of the presence of God. And the house of God is the place where the Lord reveals his presence. Verse 16 reads, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. Jacob had a revelation of the presence of God. So this is my prayer for you today. Lord, let everyone who attends the gatherings of this church, whether large or small or formal or informal, may they say, having been with these people, God is in this place. And may the small groups and the kids' ministry and the Sunday services be saturated in the presence of the living God. And may the reaction of every unconverted person who comes in contact, Contact with Encompass anywhere, anytime, may they say, God is in this place. And even though you've got great ministries and great songs and great programs and great pastors, may whatever other impression that people have of your church, may the dominant reality be, God is in this place. This only comes through worship and praise. Worship and praise that touches God and brings a sense of the presence of God. Worship and praise that brings a sense of the glory of God. Because when the manifest presence of God fills the gathering of God's people, there is revelation, there is intimacy, and there is encounter with God. And may worship and praise characterize this house. So Jacob had a revelation of the presence of God, but also, and he didn't realize it at the time, but he had a revelation of the person of Jesus. He had a revelation of the person of Jesus. In his dream, there was a stairway that rested on earth and went all the way to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on the ladder. And it says that the stairway reached from where he was all the way to heaven. And we have to wait hundreds of years until we find out the meaning of the stairway. And to do so, I want to transport you to the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse number 47. This is what it says. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is no deceit. So Jesus knew everything about him. Verse 48 then says, How do you know me? Nathanael asked. And Jesus answered, I saw you while you were under the fig tree before Philip called you. So Jesus knew who he was, but Jesus also knew where he was. But this is the most powerful part of all. Jesus also knew what he had been thinking about. Verse number 49 says, Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. But listen to what Jesus said. Verse, Verse number 50. Jesus replied, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. For I tell you the truth, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending On the Son of Man. So, under the fig tree, Nathanael had been meditating on our text today, which is the story of Jacob's dream. But what was the point that Jesus was making when he spoke to him, when he said, You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man? In other words, he was saying, Nathanael, I am the foot of the stairway. Nathaniel, I am the stairway. Or as Jesus was later to say, John 14, verse number 6, where he said, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So when people come into the house of God, where God's people are meeting, and maybe they're full of problems and questions and emptiness or turmoil or guilt or shame or pain, may they encounter the revelation of God's presence through our worship and through our praise. And may that lead them to the foot of the stairway, who is Jesus? And as they reach out to Jesus, something happens inside of their lives. My friends, today there is only one way that people can come to God. There is only one way that we can appropriate the sacrifice for sin that has been made for us. There is only one mediator or advocate between God and humankind. There is only one way to heaven and his name is Jesus. He is the foot of the stairway. So today my prayer and my declaration over this church today is this. May every person who walks into the gathering of God's people in Encompass, may they meet the foot of the stairway. Oh Lord, let every person who calls this church, their home church, be filled with a supernatural fire and zeal by the Spirit of God to tell people about Jesus. And Lord, may everyone in this local church be filled with such a burden for lost people, such a passion to reach them, and a commitment to disciple them in Jesus. Jesus' name. May your corporate and your private gatherings reveal Jesus. May Jesus be preached. May Jesus be encountered. May Jesus be glorified. May Jesus be manifest. May Jesus heal the sick bodies. May Jesus drive out demons. May Jesus be seen in our love and felt in our touch and heard in our voices. Let this house of God be filled with the revelation of Jesus. So Jacob had a revelation of the presence of God. He had a revelation of the person of Jesus. But he also had a revelation of the ministry of angels. He had a revelation of the ministry of angels. Because in his dream, he saw the angels ascending, and descending. And Jesus is not only the way to God, but it is through Jesus that we receive from God. And my friends today, I believe in angels. And angels are in this gathering here right now in Jesus' name. But who or what are the angels? And according to Hebrews 1.14, in a rhetorical question, it says there that angels are not angels, Ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. And if you believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then you are an heir of salvation. And we have angels that guard our lives. Psalm 91:11 says, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Angels are God's agents. And God's means to watch over, to protect, and to minister to in our lives. Let me say it again that angels are God's agents, or God's means to watch over, and protect, and minister to our lives. So that in God's house, not only do we find Jesus, who is the foot of the stairway, but as we reach out to Him, and as we glorify Him, and as we honor Him, He sends the angels down to minister to our lives. And so my declaration over you today is this. Even though you may have had an horrific week, as I have, and even though you may feel so confused and so disorientated today, when you come into God's house, You enter into worship and praise, and that leads you to the foot of the ladder, who is Jesus. And as you reach out to Jesus, he sends his angels down to minister to our lives, sometimes through a prophecy, sometimes through a preacher, sometimes through our worship, sometimes through the encouragement of of a believer. But the angels come and minister to our soul, and we walk out of this place different because we have met with God. And I want to ask you today in Compass, what's the good of coming to church if we leave the same way that we have come? If you go to a building. That's what will happen. You will leave the same way that you have come. If you do not enter into worship and praise, you will leave the same way that you have come. If you, do not re- if you do not reach out to Jesus as the foot of the stairway, you will leave the same way that you have come. Oh, but when you go to a building that's filled with God's people who are there to meet with God, I want to say, friends, you will never be the same again. What a place. This is the house of God. But importantly, we do not worship angels, we do not glorify angels, we do not focus upon angels, we do not seek angels our focus is Jesus. And I'll tell you why. Because he's the son of the living God. He's the one who's justified us. He's the one who saved us. He's the one who heals us. He's the one who delivers us. He's the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. He is the all in all. He is everything that we need at all times. He is our everything. And as we reach out to him, what happens in the invisible and inaudible world, we do not know or we do not need to know. All I do know is this. If you are in need to Today we're in the presence of a savior. His name is Jesus, and if you reach out to him in his house today, he will touch your life and you will never be the same again. So Jacob had a revelation of the presence of God. He had a revelation of the son of God. He had a revelation of the angels of God, but he also had a revelation of the purpose of God. And in God's house, you will have a revelation of your purpose. Now, Jacob is not a good man. To me, he is a self-consumed rascal. There was only one person in Jacob's life, and that was Jacob. All he thought about was himself. He was the last person on earth that you would expect that God would reveal himself to. He's in the last place on earth that you would expect that God would reveal himself in the middle of a desert. But this is one of the great mysteries of our great God. He comes to the most least likely and unlikely people in the most least least likely and unlikely, it's hard to say that places and he reveals himself to you. Jacob is on the run from his brother, and yet the Lord says, verse 13, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. It, 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 it was though the Lord was saying here, even though you've been a naughty boy, I want you to know I am your God. He's been ripping his brother off, and now God says, I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. And he's not even married, and the Lord says in verse 14, your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and the east and the north and the south. He's done nothing but rip people off and yet the Lord says all peoples on earth are going to be blessed through you. He's alone and he's vulnerable and uncertain about the future and in verse 15 God says I am with you and I'm going to watch over you and wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land and I will not leave you until I've done what I have promised you. And what we learn from that is this, it's in the house of God. You find out who you are and what you're on the earth to do. And maybe you're here today and you need guidance. I want you to know today, friends, when you gather together with God's people and your heart is open to Him and you sing like you sang this morning, something happens and you'll find out who you are and what you're on the earth to do. So what is the house of God? Number one, we've seen it's not necessarily a building. Number two, we've seen that the house of God is a place of revelation. But number three, the house of God is a place of unity. The house of God is a place of unity. In verse number 22, it reads there, "...and this stone that I've set up as a pillar will be God's house." Jacob referred to the house of God as one stone. The apostle Peter, a lot later, wrote these words here. 1 Peter 2 verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So what was Peter trying to say here? That once before we knew Jesus... We were a dead pile of rocks, but we were touched by the living stone, who is Jesus. We became part of him. The very life of Jesus is now within us. And with us, God Almighty is building a living temple with us as living stones. But importantly, we have not just been made alive to do our own independent thing. We have been called to be part of this temple, this body, this house of God. So what is the spiritual significance of this? One of the New Testament pictures of of the church is that it is the body of Christ. The church is a part of Christ. And as believers, we have now been baptized into him, and he now lives inside of us. But importantly, the New Testament church was to be one body. So I would suggest today, you are not a member of this church, you are a limb of this church. It is not membership, it is limbship. And when you're part of a body like my hand or my arm, it is to me. You are attached. You are connected. You are committed. It's like marriage for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health till death do us part. That we would be 1,000% committed to this house because this is where God is building us. This is body. This is fellowship. This is New Testament church. And so, therefore, we need to foster unity and protect unity. Let me tell you a story. On, on the screen will, will, will be a picture of a doll. And many years ago at our church in Richmond, we had a British preacher come, come through. And he stood up, and he had a, had a doll in one hand, and he had a pair of scissors in the other hand. But he didn't refer to them at all. And while he's saying, good morning, it's great to be here today, he gets the scissors and cuts off an arm of the doll. And I can see people looking at their friends like thinking, what is this guy doing up here? But he doesn't refer to the doll at all. A little bit later, while he's talking a bit, bit of banter between Aussies and Pommies, he, he then gets the scissors and cuts off a leg of the doll. And I can see people really getting uncomfortable about what this guy is doing, mutilating a doll in front of the church. And I can see people talking to each other, but he doesn't refer to the doll at all. And a little bit later, as he starts his sermon, he gets the scissors and cuts off the head of the doll. He decapitates the doll. And by now, I can see people doing what you're doing. Like they're, they're murmuring to each other, and they're uncomfortable and moving in their seats. And then he stopped. And he held up the dole, and he said this, Some of you are more concerned about this dole than you are with the body of Christ that's being ripped apart by division. So he said, I want to talk to you today about unity. And he had everybody's attention. And friends, today there are many things that divide us. Some, some people support Israel, some people support Gaza, some people believe in, in mandates and some people don't. Some people believe in vaccines and some people don't. Some people believe in some doctrines and some, some people don't. And rather than focus upon the things that divide us, Why don't we focus upon the things that unite us? For example, we are all purchased by the same blood of Jesus. We're all indwelt by the same Spirit of Jesus. We all have the same hope and future in Jesus. Let's not allow trivial things to become a divisive thing inside of the local church. And please remember this. The true New Testament church is not great meetings. True New Testament church is Great Relationships. Let me say it again. The true New Testament church is not how great the service was on Sunday morning. True New Testament church or body or fellowship is all about our relationships. And therefore, we have a strong responsibility in Scripture to be committed to to one another. Have a think about all the one another's in the Word of God. Therefore, we need to preserve and to protect our unity and oneness. We need to guard against division and division. Visive people. We need to watch out for and watch over each other's lives. We need to serve and to exercise our gifts. We need to disciple the young and to restore the strays. This reminds me of the prayer of Jesus when he prayed for all churches In his great high priestly prayer, John 17, verse number 21, listen to the heart of Jesus. Oh, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, that they may be one and may they be brought to complete unity. So here is my declaration today. Lord, may the individual people who are called by joined, Lord, by you in this house, may they be committed to you and to your people and to your purpose. May they have, Lord, an unshakable, absolutely uncompromising unity. And may they fearlessly and fervently foster and protect that unity. May these people, in the words of Jesus, be one, even as you are one. That as this church gets bigger... It would get smaller, and may these people have such a love for one another that, Lord, in this whole area, people can't find relationships like there are in this house. And, Lord, may their unity, I pray, be demonstrated by encouraging and giving and praying and enjoying and celebrating and crying and laughing and doing life together. God's intention is that His house will be a house of unity. I want to encourage you today, don't just attend this church, but be part of this church. Some people are like Superman. The minute the service is over, faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, boom, they're out the door and in their car, and they are gone. I want to say, friends, that's not the house of God. That's a meeting. I want to encourage you to really become part of this house. And number four, the last one, because my time is nearly gone and your pastor is violent. Number four is this. Number four, the house of God is a place of anointing. The house of God is a place of anointing. Verse 18 reads Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he placed under his head and set it up as a pillar, and he poured oil on top of it. Most of you would know that in Scripture, oil is a symbol of the work and the ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the first reference in the Bible to oil and consecration. In other words, the first place in the Bible where oil is poured out to signify the setting apart of something for a sacred purpose. And the symbolism for us as Christians is profound. As far as the house of God is concerned, the Holy Spirit is not an option. He's an absolute indispensability. We can never be what God has called us to be or do what God has called us to do without the mighty power of the Holy Spirit. We can have structures. We can have programs. We can have buildings. But without the Spirit, it's just a structure. It's just a program. It's just a building. We need. The fresh oil of the Holy Spirit. Have a think about the Lord Jesus, supernatural birth, and uh, and the God God was with him and great learning. But his ministry did not begin until he went to the Jordan River and the heavens opened and the Spirit descended on him like a dove. And Acts 10:38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went about doing good and healing all those who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. So my final de- declaration today is this. Lord, may encompass a no unique and special outpouring of the Holy Spirit for the community and the city and the nations. And may the empowering of the Holy Spirit energize and empower each and every gift in this house. And may this house be filled with healing power, with anointed worship, and with anointed preaching, Lord, in your name. And may everyone in this house know the anointing of the Spirit to be a witness for you in their in their locality in Jesus name. So in conclusion today, we've been asking the question What is the house of God? And from many things, we've just identified four. Number one, we've seen that the house of God is any place where you meet with God and God meets with you. When you have your small group this week, that is the house of God. When you're with another Christian this week in a car or walking along, that is the house of God. Number two, it's a place where... Of revelation. It's a place where God reveals His presence. He reveals His Son. He reveals the ministry of angels. He reveals His purpose to our life. Number three, the house of God is a place of unity, a place of oneness. And this, if there's something I'm hearing the Holy Spirit say all over the world at the moment, it's this: at this divisive moment in history, come together, come together and be one, and pray as one, and be as one, and love each other. Be one as He is one. And number four, the house of God is a place of anointing. And before we leave today, I I, want to pray one final prayer, and that is that God would pour out His Spirit upon you in a fresh and unprecedented way. God is about to do something in this house I believe you're coming into a season where the anointing of God, the presence of the Spirit is going to be poured out in an extraordinary, unprecedented, unparalleled, unstoppable way because God wants His house to be a place of anointing. But I just want to talk to people who may not have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Maybe you're invited to come to the service this morning and you weren't quite sure why or or what to expect. Or maybe you've been coming for a while because you're seeking to know what Christianity is all about. And perhaps you're asking the question, as Jacob did in the middle of the desert, who am I and what is life all about? And maybe you feel like you can identify with him, wandering around trying to find reality. Who am I? What am I on the earth to do? And God's answer to that question is his son Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. If you want to know God personally, if you want to know Him in relationship, God's answer is Jesus. Come to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Turn from how you're living. Come to Jesus as you are. Come with a simple faith and go, Jesus, I put my trust in you. Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I ask you to wash away all of my sin. Jesus, I ask you to give me new life. Jesus, I want to know you personally. If that's your prayer, if that's your cry, then come in simple faith today and say, Jesus, I yield, I surrender my life to you. Ask Him to forgive you. Ask Him to cleanse you. Ask Him to come in and you will never be the same again. And then you'll find who you are, what you're on the earth to do. And it's when you're in right relationship with God, you find the answers to those questions today. Could I invite everyone, please, just to close your eyes for a couple of minutes so that we can have a sacred moment in the presence of God. If you do not know Jesus today, if you do not have a personal relationship with Him, and you're saying today, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be forgiven of all of my sin. I want to know change in my life. I want to know God. I want to walk with God as the center of my life. And there's a faith in you that says, I believe. I want to put my trust in Jesus. I want to give Him my life. If that's your prayer, if that's your cry, wherever you are today, Would you please just raise up your hand, and by raising up your hand, what you're saying is, Bruce, would you pray for me today? Because I want to give my life to Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. you. Down the front, thank you. You can pop them down again. Thank you. Thank you in the middle there as well. Thank you. Are there others today will raise their hand to say, Jesus. I want to give you my life I want you to come in I want you to save me cleanse me change me I need you Jesus if that's your prayer you don't have a relationship with him but you want to know him today would you just raise your hand thank you in the back in the corner there too thank you you can pop it down again thank you thank you if I haven't seen your hand if you just want to just wave it slightly until I can see it that would be great i oh, thank you in Toward the back there as well. Thank you. You can pop it down again. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. He's here. He's real. He's love. He's light. He's life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Let me just ask one last time if you do not know him today and you're saying, Jesus, I'm going to put my faith and my trust in you. I want you to come into my life. Would you please just raise up your hand if you haven't already? Just raise up your hand to say, Bruce, please include me in this prayer. I want to give my life to Jesus. Are there any others just before we pray? Great, thank you. I just want to lead everyone in a prayer. And I'm going to invite you to the whole congregation to repeat this prayer after me. But particularly those of you who who gave your life to Jesus, want to give your life to Jesus. Please pray this prayer from your heart maybe you've never prayed before that's why I will lead you the important thing is not the words so much that, but in your heart you're turning to Jesus you're putting your faith in Jesus and you're asking Him to come into your heart would you please pray this prayer with me dear Lord Jesus I thank you that you love me and I thank you that you died for me And Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. I ask you to cleanse me from my sin. And I ask you to come into my life. I yield my life to you. Cleanse me. Wash me. Live within me. I want to know you. And I want to walk with you. Thank you for loving me. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Encompass Church. If today's message has impacted you and you want to give your life to Jesus, if you need prayer or if you want to get connected to the church, please contact us at office at encompass.org.au. Never miss a moment by following us online. Search for Encompass Church on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.